would go ahead and open up to Philemon as we'll as we'll read here in just a minute as we give you a second to to turn there. All right, starting in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be, excuse me, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Tychicus, I can't do it. I can't go to that house. Philemon is going to imprison me again or worse. Nesmus, we have the letter from Paul. You know what it says. And you know what has happened to you. Jesus changed your life. He has saved you. Yeah. But the last time I was in that house, it was like a prison to me. And on top of that, I stole from them. I hurt them. I sat through their worship of Jesus, but it, it didn't mean anything to me. What am I going to do? Onesimus, don't underestimate Paul's influence with Philemon. And don't underestimate the power of God. God has forgiven Philemon of many things. Now Philemon will also forgive you. Do you think you'll give him my freedom, Tychicus? Yeah, I think so, Onesimus. Philemon will receive you as a brother in Christ, but I think he'll also treat you as a brother in the flesh. Master and slave, those are temporary categories. Brothers in Christ are eternal. You know what? 
Freedom is heavy, Tychicus. I don't want to waste my life. I've been stuck with this name Onesimus, which is supposed to mean useful, but I've never been really useful. I want to make my life count for Christ. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to go in there, and whatever happens, God will take care of it. Okay, so obviously that, you know, Jaron helping me out this week brought the attractiveness level down a little bit from last week when my wife was helping me out, but that's okay. No worry. Uh, that's all right. But still, good theater for you guys to, to appreciate. So we're playing along with that conversation like we, did, uh, like we did last week. This time, between Tychicus, who was probably involved in delivering the letter that would go to Philemon, and Onesimus, who was the slave who had run away and now was being returned to Philemon. What would it have been like to be set free only to be returned to your master to have to face up to the consequences there? That's the situation that's happening here. Last week in Philemon, we looked at it from Philemon's perspective. What was it like for Philemon to experience this letter? This week, we want to flip it around, and we want to look at this book of the Bible from Onesimus' perspective. What was it like for him as a slave to experience the reality of this letter? Just as a reminder, and this week we have both of the screens working, so we're, we're in business this week. Just as a reminder about where all of this is taking place, you have modern-day Turkey in this area. Right down here in the southwest corner, that is the area of Colossae. So obviously don't worry about being able to read the particular words, but that, that red spot there is, is Colossae, where these churches are located, where Onesimus, this runaway slave, where he was from, remember he either ran to one of two places. Either he ran off the map, literally, up here to Rome, if this is happening when Paul was in prison at Rome, or the other option is he went to this area right here, to Ephesus. Paul may have been in prison at Ephesus, and this is where Onesimus is run to, to seek out Paul so he could be restored back to Philemon, to, to his master there. This idea in the ancient world of a slave running away to their master's friend in order to be able to be restored, we actually have other letters in the ancient world about this. I want you to see on the screen, I'm going to read it out to you as well, but I want you to see on the screen an ancient letter that was written from a person named Pliny. Uh, Pliny. There were actually two famous Plinies in the ancient world. This, is, this guy is called Pliny the Younger. His uncle was actually killed in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. So you've heard in history class about Mount Vesuvius um, erupting. Pliny the Elder was killed in that eruption. His nephew, Pliny the Younger, became a government official and he writes this letter. He says, you told me you had been angry with a freedman of yours, and now he's come to see me. So this freedman, this half-slave, had run away to go see Pliny. He threw, himself, he threw himself at my feet and clung onto me as though I were you. He wept a lot. He asked for a lot, though he kept quiet about a lot too. To sum it up, he made me believe that he was genuinely sorry. I think he is a changed character because he really does feel that he did wrong. And then the letter goes on. Yes, I know you are angry, and I know too that you have a right to be angry, but mercy earns most praise when anger is fully justified. Once you love this fellow, and I hope you will love him again, 
You can always be angry again if he deserves it, and you'll have all the more reason if you've been merciful now. Then look at how this letter wraps up. He's young, he's in tears, and you have a kind heart. Make all that count. Don't torture him, and don't torture yourself either. Anger is always torture for a soft heart like yours. What I want you to see from that letter is that letter that Pliny wrote and the letter that Paul wrote have so many similarities. It's, this is something that was happening in the ancient world. There's so many similarities, but there is one stark difference between this letter and the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. This letter has no message of the gospel of Jesus Christ at the foundation of it. Pliny is trying to restore, restore the social standing. He's even giving this guy freedom to be angry. He's saying, if you want to do that, you're going to have a right to do that. There's no idea of how the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms relationships, how it was turning social ideas, social categories, cultural ideas upside down. This letter doesn't have that. Paul's letter to Philemon is built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we saw last week that the gospel is about reconciliation, how we're reconciled to God and then how God builds in, he, he leads us to be reconciled to one another. This week, we're talking about freedom. Last week was about reconciliation, that the gospel is about reconciliation. This week, I want you to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is about freedom. But when we understand the gospel is about freedom, we understand that we've been set free to serve. On your notes, if you flip the bulletin over to the back and you want to look at those notes, the two main points that I want you to see this morning is that you are set free to serve. The gospel is about freedom. At the end of the service today, we are going to have a traditional response time. And if you are living a life where you know you are enslaved to sin, where you know you are enslaved to the fear of death, when all of these things are holding you back, where you have a misunderstanding of the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ, you're gonna have an opportunity to respond to the word of God. I want you to leave this morning knowing about freedom, that you have been set free in order to serve. So let's look at this. The first thing is, we have been set free according to God's plan. God's plan for his people is about freedom. Look in verse 15 of Philemon, if you still have your phone or, or Bible open. There's an interesting phrase that Paul throws in at the beginning of verse 15. He says, For this, perhaps, is why Onesimus was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Now that little phrase, for this is perhaps why, it's a phrase of irony. In other words, Paul is saying a lot more there than just shows up on the surface. What Paul is saying is he's talking about the providence of God. He's saying this phrase, for this perhaps is why, he's saying it almost with a winking of his eye, as in obviously this is what God has been up to. The reason that God had Onesimus run away and meet Paul is why? So that he would become a Christian so that he would come to understand what freedom is really all about. Now, when Onesimus ran away and sought out Paul, what kind of freedom was he looking for? 
He was simply looking for human freedom. He had a very limited idea of what he wanted to happen. He wanted to not get into as much trouble with his owner. This is when you know your kids run to the neighbor next door when they've done something bad, hoping that the neighbor next door will bring them back to your house and maybe pacify the situation and the kids won't get in quite as much trouble that way. This is all that Onesimus has in mind when he runs away to Paul. He's just trying to not get as in much trouble. But what God has in mind is he's gonna bring a level of freedom to his life that goes far beyond anything Onesimus could imagine. And you see this all over the Bible, where someone seeks out one type of God's help, and then God meets them at a deeper level than they could ever imagine. Mark 2, people come to Jesus for physical healing, and he heals them physically, but what other kind of healing do they find? They find spiritual healing. They find forgiveness of sins. Jesus says, okay, take up your mat and walk. You're, you're healed, but I'm going to meet you at a deeper level. Acts chapter 3 the people come to Peter, and they're looking for silver and gold. They want money. They need something to help them right now. Peter says, well, silver and gold have I none, but I can do better than that. I can show you the power of God on display. Get up and walk, and then find forgiveness for your sins. Genesis chapter 50. This is the story of when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he rises to prominence in Egypt. And what Joseph says in Genesis 50, 20 is he says, you intended this for evil, but God has used it for good and for the salvation of many people. God's plan for his people has always been about freedom. Where do you find this most clearly in the Bible? You find it in the story of the Exodus from the Old Testament, how God's people are in slavery in Egypt and he sets them free. And as you read through your New Testament, you cannot read the New Testament fully without seeing the story of the Exodus guiding that process. But because for God's people, everything they knew about freedom went back to the story of the Exodus. What they didn't realize fully until Jesus came is that God was going to send a new Moses. And that new Moses was going to be Jesus. And he was going to bring a level of freedom that went far beyond anything they could ever imagine. Because the freedom that he would bring would not just be freedom from human slavery, it would be freedom from sin. And that's the second point on your notes. The freedom that God brings us when we are set free, we are set free from sin and death. Philemon, chap er, chapter 1, obviously, chapter 1. <laughs> Philemon, verse 16. It says, no longer would you be a bondservant but more than a bondservant, you would be a beloved brother. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The book of Galatians is about the freedom that we have from sin. And specifically, Galatians is talking about freedom from the law, that we no longer live under the law that you have to obey these rules in order to be made right with God, in order to maintain your relationship with God, that all these rules create this burden. Galatians is about the freedom that we have in Christ. Don't live under these laws when Christ has set you free from the power of sin. You no longer live in sin, you live in Christ by the power of God's spirit according to his word. And so you've been set free from that, live in that. But it's not only set free from sin, it's that we have been set free from death. 
The power of death no longer holds any influence over us. Hebrews chapter 2. I love these verses from Hebrews chapter 2. If you know people in your life who are not followers of Jesus Christ, but they are at a place in life that they are having to deal with the reality of death, maybe because of some, some sort of illness in their own life, maybe because of something that's happened in their family, and you're trying to talk about Christianity to that person, and, and death is one of those topics that's right in front of them, these verses from Hebrews chapter 2, since therefore the children, that's all humanity, since all people share in flesh and blood, Christ himself partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What we find in the Bible is that because of the power of sin and because the wages of sin is death, when we live under sin, when we live in sin, we also live under the fear of death because we know that we can never overcome sin on our own and we can definitely never overcome death on our own. Our only hope is that someone else would defeat sin and defeat death. Well, that's happened through Jesus Christ. And so we no longer have to live under that slavery, under that bondage that says that we are afraid of death. And you say, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not a follower of Jesus, but, but I'm not afraid of death. We actually show ourselves to be afraid of death when we give everything we have to live for the things of this world. When you see people grasping for significance, when you see them clamoring to hold on to everything they can gain in this world, that's a way of showing that you're afraid of death because what you're showing is everything that matters, everything that could ever mean anything, I have to get right now. I have to make for myself. I have to gain it right now because this is all that I have. What you're doing at that point is you're reflecting this fear of death, this fear that all that I see right now is going to come to an end and then everything stops. But when you've been set free from that fear of death, what you find is that you have this new freedom to be able to live fully for the Lord. As a Christian, you have been set free from future fear of death. You have been set free from past sins. And you have been set free from being dominated by your current circumstances. Future, past, and present in Christ, you have completely been set free. There's nothing that could happen in the future that holds any power over you outside of Christ. There's nothing that you did in your past that continues to live on holding you in slavery. And there's nothing that could happen right now in your life that's going to define your life beyond who you are in Christ. And we see this lived out by Paul. Because where is Paul when he's writing this letter? He's in prison. He's in this worldly picture of slavery, of imprisonment, of being trapped, and yet he's the freest person on earth. Your circumstances right now do not define whether or not you are free. Your freedom is based on whether or not you are in Christ, because he is the one who has defeated sin. He is the one who's taking care of your past. He is the one who secures your future. He is the one who defines your present. We are free 
in Christ. It's not about our circumstances, it's because who we are in Christ. That is the good news of the gospel that we have that freedom. So what do you do with that? Well, you are set free in order to serve. This is the great surprise and irony and power of the New Testament is Christianity, it's all about freedom. Now you can be a slave again. What? I was just set free. You're talking about freedom, and now you're telling me that I'm set free in order to serve. Yes, but no longer serving yourself, able to serve God and able to serve others. This happens according to God's word, according to God's spirit. Look at some more verses from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Do you see the way the word freedom and the word serve show up together in that verse? For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. The law no longer has power over you because you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are set free in order to serve. Here's one of the great misunderstandings about freedom. Freedom does not mean doing whatever I want to do. Freedom, at its core, does not mean doing whatever I want to do. Frankly, when you look at our society and our cultural our culture, some of the things that threaten our freedom right now, even as a nation on a human level, is the idea that freedom means I can do whatever I want. This idea of absolute autonomy, absolute individualism, that I separate myself off and I'll do whatever I want, well, freedom's not going to last very long in that type of world. Equally so, Christian freedom is not that I've been set free to do whatever I want to do. It's I've been set free from sin I've been set free from the fear of death so I can live in the presence according to God's word and by the power of his spirit. Look at these verses from Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is probably the most famous section. Uh, you could really read all of Romans 6 and, and get this idea. But, but we're going to start in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. In other words, hey, the pastor said I've been set free from sin. Well, that's good. Nothing can be held against me. I'll just do whatever I want. Well, no, obviously that's, that's not what it means. Verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? You can only have two masters, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience to God, which leads to righteousness. Look at verse 17 and 18 of that of that section. But thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. If you are here this morning and you have repented of sin and you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you would say, I am a follower of Jesus, I have given my life to Him. You are set free. Freedom is written over your life, and at the same time, you are a slave to righteousness. How can I be free and slave at the same time? I'm free to everything that would take my life, and I'm a slave and a servant to everything that would give life. 
I've been set free from everything that would take my life and my relationship with God is restored because now I'm back to that place where I'm able to live for his glory. I'm able to live for his good. And not only that, but then I'm set free to serve others. And this completely changes my identity. This completely changes my purpose for life. Look down in Philemon verse 11. If you still have your phone open to Philemon, you you may have jumped back and forth to Galatians or Romans, but Philemon verse 11 Paul is saying, formerly, form, or formerly, this guy was useless. And it's a play on words because Onesimus means useful, but formerly he was useless to me, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. In other words, he's, no, he's, he's only going to be able to truly fulfill his identity in life is when he finds that freedom in Christ. Then go down to verse 17. Verse 17, if you consider me your partner, So if Paul is a partner with Philemon in the gospel, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. In other words, begin to see him as a partner in the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. What's going to happen to Onesimus? is when he truly realizes the freedom that he has in Christ, he's going to be able to live the life that God has created him to live. Because if you are a slave to sin, or you're a slave to the fear of death in the future, you're gonna find yourself ultimately always living for what's right now. And what that turns into is living for yourself. But when you've been set free from sin, set free from death, what you find yourself able to do is truly serve God. And I've used this phrase before, but I want to use it again. The reason you're able to do that is because you have no one to impress and you have nothing to prove. You only have Jesus to serve. When you're able to live your life in such a way that you're not trying to impress everybody around you, you're not trying to achieve something to validate your identity. When you are set free from those things, what you find that you're able to do is you can freely serve God and you can freely serve others. When we talk about freedom in the New Testament, it's summed up in that already not yet idea from Christian theology. When you read your New Testament, you have to have this idea of already not yet in mind when you think about being a Christian. Here's what I mean by that. We talk about salvation. In Christ, you are already saved. That is already true of your life. Not yet have you seen the fullness of all that God is going to do in your life. That will come one day in eternity when he brings everything to perfect completion. When you talk about freedom, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, you already have perfect freedom in his life. But not yet have you been set free from all the junk that you can't seem to get rid of in life. Because as we go through life, as we go through this, and the, and the thousand dollar word from theology is sanctification. It's just this process of being made holy as God works in us what we already are in Christ. You are free. And you say, man, that's a good idea. I don't feel free all the time. I feel burdened. I feel held down by these things. I want to find that freedom. Remember, it's already, it's not yet. Your Christian life is about learning to live in that freedom that's already true because of Jesus. 
Because of your faith in Christ, you're set free from sin, set free from death. And yet I spend my whole life trying to understand what it really is to be free. Because every day it seems like something new is coming to hold me back. <laughs> something new is putting me in bondage. You wake up tomorrow and something from your past comes flying into the present. And you're like, oh man, I thought I was done with that. I thought that that was back there. And here it comes again to hold me back from living the life that God has called me to live. Or you wake up tomorrow and out of nowhere comes this tremendous fear of the future. Am I ever gonna make anything out of myself? What's gonna happen with my family? Where's my life headed? How am I ever gonna? No, no, I've been set free from that. I, I'm, I'm set free to live fully right now the life that God has called me to live. Set free, why? In order to serve. Let me say something, and I want to say it in a cautious way, because I hope this might be helpful to you, but, but we've got to be cautious with it. We're set free in order to serve. If you, as a Christian, you find yourself repeatedly in bondage, something in the past, a temptation, a sin, a relationship keeps coming back in, it holds you back from living the life that God's called you to live, or you find yourself consistently fearful of the future, how do you overcome that type of bondage? How do you overcome that? One of the ways is by serving. If you find yourself consistently in bondage, remember you've been set free in order to serve. And one of the ways that God allows us to overcome some of those things in our lives is simply by serving others. Because what happens is when we have these things from our past or we have this fear of the future, what it does is it causes us to close in on ourselves. <laughs> and guess what? The more you think about your problems, the bigger your problems get. <laughs> and the bigger your problems get, the more you feel in bondage. And the more you feel in bondage, the less you want to go out and engage with the world around you. And so I realize that temptations are hard. And I realize that your, part, your past and your present may be really dark. And so I don't want to give a simplistic answer that misses the reality of everything you're facing in life right now. But if you consistently find yourself held back, held in bondage, one of the ways you break through that is saying, God, you have set me free in order to serve, so by God, I'm going to get out there and serve somebody. <laughs> Everybody get out of my way because I'm going to serve somebody. I don't know who or what, but I'm just going to go and I'm going to focus my life on doing good for someone else. And, and oftentimes, in doing that, God will reveal to you more of that freedom that he wants to be true in your life. There's a prayer that I pray on an almost daily basis. And I write this prayer in my journal. Uh, God forbid someone ever find my journal sometime. They would just find this prayer written over and over all throughout the, the, the place. But I pray this. And, and I, I pray, it obviously, from a male perspective. But I pray, God, set me free to be the man you've created me to be for your glory, the good of others, and my joy. You can adopt that, you can, you can take that, and however it would be helpful for you. God, set me free. Whatever is trying to hold me back, whatever sin, whatever fear, whatever circumstance is trying to hold me back from living fully for you, set me free from that. Remind me I've been set free to be the man of God you created me to be. The whole goal is that I would live the life that God created me to live. And I want to do that because it brings glory to God. It's good for others. And it's the only way I'm truly going to find joy in life. God set me free to be the person you've created me to be. So I can live for you. 
live for others, and truly understand the life that you've created me to live. As a Christian, written over your life is freedom. But it's not freedom to do whatever you want to do, it's freedom to serve God with everything you have, and by serving God, you find yourself serving others. As we get ready to wrap up this morning, there are two questions on your notes. Set free from what? What has God set you free from? And what do you still battle with? What do you still need to be set free from? Scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If there is something in your past that keeps coming up, some temptation, some sin, some memory, and you cannot get loose of that, Scripture says that in Christ you face no shame and condemnation because of that. God wants you to be set free from that. What do you need to be set free from? Maybe you need to be set free from trying to live up to everybody else's expectations. Maybe you need to be set free from trying to find every good thing in life right now. Maybe you need to be set free from trying to prove yourself. Set free from what? You are free from sin and you are free from death because of Jesus. And then the flip side of that, turn that coin over, set free for what? I'm set free from sin and death for what purpose? In order to serve God and to serve others. What does God want to do in and through your life when you truly understand the freedom that you have in him? I'm gonna pray for us. After I pray for us, we're gonna sing a powerful song together about the hope that we have in Christ, about the salvation we have through Christ. The full praise team and band is gonna come back up and lead us in that. During that time, though, set free from what? Set free for what? What does God want to do in your life? We're gonna be available to pray for you here at the front. If you just need to come up here with a friend or family member and pray at the front, use this time of response to say, God, what do you wanna do in my life right now? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a little book like Philemon that we could look at last week and think about reconciliation with other people. As Philemon received this letter and realized that he needed to be made right with Onesimus. He needed to reconcile that relationship. And God, thank you that it's also a letter about freedom. That we have been set free, not based on our circumstances in life, not based on whether we're in prison or in slavery or not. We've been set free because of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of that freedom is so that now we can live fully as your servants. We're not set free to do whatever we want. We're set free to live for you. God, I pray that if there are people here living under the bondage of sin, if there are people here living with fear of the future, and they have never experienced the freedom that comes through Jesus, that they would raise the white flag that they would turn to you and they would trust you. God, we would know what it is to be set free. We would know what it is to live fully for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.